the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Here we are. Thank you for joining us tonight, everyone. This is The Bible Live, and this is Soapy. My daughter, Stacy, is right here beside me, and John is in the room with us, giving us both a, a loud, raucous applause oh, right. while he's standing. So we got a standing ovation for <laughs> our, our one-person audience. John, thank you for that. Well, we are back. We are ready to look at a whole new book of the Bible. We this is the time of the year when we start all over in the book. Of, toward the 1st of November, we always start uh, with the book of Genesis. And uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we make our way through the entire Bible in the coming days, weeks, and months. So we are we're finished up the book of um, Genesis. Uh, let me see. This was, I think... Last week or the week before last, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this past week, we have read the opening chapters of the book of Exodus. If you follow our reading schedule, and you can do that quite easily, go to thebiblelive.com or just simply biblelive.com. You can go there and you will find our website, biblelive.com, and you can go to the reading program. Mm-hmm. Help me out, Stacy, in case I miss yeah. describing it properly. You can go to the uh, to the podcast. You can hear there. You can hear any of the readings of the 260 readings that cover the entire Bible. So you can find the one that you like. They're all listed by the scripture portions that they cover. We read the Psalms and the Proverbs in one opening segment called the Wisdom and Worship segment. <laughs> And then we do our narrative read from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and the other books of the Bible as we go through them. Oh, we alternate back and forth between the Old and New Testaments, Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus. And then we go, we read the the New Testament Gospel of Matthew just in time for Christmas and the birth of Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. So we go to Matthew and then we finish Matthew and go back to Leviticus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Okay, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Then we go and pick up the book of Mark, the second book in the New Testament, the second of the Gospels. 
So that's the way we do. We kind of alternate back and forth between the old and new, but moving straight through both of them. And it gives a very, very interesting and helpful reading schedule for you. So you can always go to thebiblelive.com. Just put it on your phone, on your computer, wherever, and go to it. Click on that opening page for the reading of that day. There is a reading for every weekday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because it was first formatted and put together for radio. And uh, so you can, on Monday through Friday, you can go and listen to the Bible reading of that day. <clears throat> we'll give you the re- weekend off. You know, you can uh, read uh, something on your own and maybe uh, the passage that you cover in your church with your pastor and, and the Sunday school or, or study group uh, lessons. But Monday through Friday, we'd invite you to join us as we make our way through the entire Bible. <clears throat> We're reading the, the New Living Translation, <clears throat> a good, clear, modern version of the scriptures. And it's not a paraphrase, but a, a, a translation. Uh, and it's not that we uh, agree necessarily with every single thing in it. Uh, each of these great, great translations we have, uh, the New International Version, all of these different versions, they will open in their opening pages with giving you the the criteria that they follow in doing the translation. Translation, if you've listened uh, to this program for any time at all, you will know by now clearly that it is a very complicated, difficult uh, process translation is, especially uh, when you take a book of antiquity that was written 3,500 years ago, put down on paper or written, and then even Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, what are called the Pentateuch, meaning five books, or the Torah, Moses uh, wrote these during the 40 years of uh, that the people of Israel uh, were, after coming out of Egypt, were wandering in the wilderness there. Moses is said, thought to have written these during that period of time. He was uniquely equipped to do so, having been educated in the palace uh, with palace education of Egyptian uh, scholars and so on. Uh, for the first 40 years of his life. And then he lived 40 years out in the desert, in the wilderness of of Midian, uh, in the Sinai Peninsula. He lived another 40 years there. He took a wife, Zipporah, had two children there, Gershom and Eliezer. Eliezer, Eliezer, I'll get it right in a minute. Uh, He has these two children, and uh, Zipporah, his wife is thought, well, she was, her father was Ruel or Jethro. He has two names we learn about in these um, passages. <clears throat> he is a Midianite, a priest and a prince of Midian. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and he marries uh, Zipporah, one of the seven daughters of Ruel or Jethro, <clears throat> which is interesting because also, we're told the story of how he meets them when he flees from Egypt He out into the wilderness. He, uh, these these uh, women are being bullied by some other shepherds at the well, and Moses jumps in, and gallant man that he is, <laughs> he rescues them and runs off the bullies, and he that gets him in good with Dad, 
and he meets Jethro and then ends up marrying Zipporah. It is thought that Zipporah, others, um, this is all extra biblical, was, uh, comes from Ethiopian uh, as a Cushite or uh, Ethiopian background, <clears throat> that she was a woman of color, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> as am I for, the, <laughs> for <laughs> that matter. I like that. Uh, but anyway, Zipporah plays an interesting role in his life. Uh, we're not, we don't read a lot about her. But one thing in particular, if in these opening chapters of the book of Exodus, I think it's chapter four, was it? It's chapter we found four, uh-huh. uh, That she, uh, they are on their way. Moses is called by God to go back to Egypt and bring the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to bring them out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. Uh, just as God had told Mo, uh, uh, Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15, the people of Israel had been there for over 400 years, and now it was time for God to bring them out of Egypt and to restore them to the promised land, the land of Canaan. The sins of the Canaanite people, the wickedness, their immorality, uh, their idolatry, and so on, had come I was ready for judgment, and God would use the people of Israel in judgment on them and at the same time bringing them back to that land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their their ancestors. So that's uh, kind of the big picture. If you go to thebiblelive.com, then uh, you can continue the way through it. I hope you will. And they just put it on your phone and log in every morning or sometime during the day. On that first page, click on the arrow, and you'll hear that 15 to 20-minute reading each day from the Scriptures. And then here on Sunday night, we talk about what we read this past week. Uh, well, real quickly, you were going to talk about in Chapter 4 how Zipporah saved Moses. <laughs> um, and so, and you want me to get that I, in I there, was thinking right? that okay. might be good. <laughs> <laughs> it might be good. Yeah, the, uh, or it, you know, it is. It, the, it's one of the things we learn about God in the book of Exodus is that there are some very interesting things we learn about God himself that he reveals about himself in, in the book of Exodus in general. But, and one of those is he a God who keeps makes and keeps his promises. Yes. So I'll keep my promise, and we'll talk <laughs> about that. In uh, chapter 4, it was <clears throat> they are on their way back to Egypt. And it says, now listen, don't, don't ask me to explain this to you. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure I could. But it says here that God comes to uh, Moses. Well, first of all, I think what's interesting is just the imagery of I mean, it's truly, it's, it's just the imagery. And maybe you can also go back to real quickly because you were going to talk about Moses having written the Torah mm-hmm. and maybe what kind of impact that had on the translation, remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, uh, it, just the imagery of, it says, Moses took Zipporah and his two sons and they got on a donkey and traveled into Egypt. And immediately just what comes to mind is, of course, Mary and Joseph when they fled yep. with Jesus on the way to Egypt. Uh, anyway, go and ahead. she was uh, she was expecting her first child. <clears throat> well, no, she she this I is mean, after Mary, Jesus. Yeah, no, this Mary is was. after though. No, after Jesus was born, they fled oh. to Egypt. Right. Oh, they fled to Egypt. Yeah. Oh, you're exactly yeah. right. I was talking. I was thinking about you talking about them going to Bethlehem to be 
No, no, even after in, that. In the okay. So here's Moses and Zipporah and her, their two sons going into Egypt. Have to get that right because we're coming up on the Christmas season, so i got to make sure <laughs> I get that right. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Here they are uh, on their way now. He's heard God's call at the burning bush. Um, they're in chapter 3, is it? Mm-hmm. Well, in, in chapter, so, yeah, chapter 3, mm-hmm. Moses and the burning bush. Uh, Moses, what I want to emphasize first, first before I get into the story of Zipporah, Moses has lived 40 years in the palace of Egypt. Mm -hmm. We know very little about that. Uh, The opening chapters of Exodus, we're told about how he is rescued from the water he is lifted out of the water. That's yeah. what his name Moses actually means, evidently, or close to that, yeah. lifted out. <clears throat> and by the daughter of the Pharaoh. And <laughs> his sister, which is, oh, they're just a, it's so beautiful, the story. But it's very little we know of it. In the first place, the Pharaoh was getting tired of the people of Israel growing so large and so powerful a presence in his country. And it was a different Pharaoh than the one who had taken in um, uh, Joseph and and his brethren. So a different Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. And so now they've changed. They've turned the things around. Now they've turned them into a working uh, caste or group of they, they. did heavy labor That's for right. the Egyptians uh-huh. in the building of their cities and so on. And so they were there in, in uh, virtual slavery, in bondage in, in uh, Egypt. And, and the Pharaoh fears they're getting too big, so he, he tells these two midwives, the Hebrew midwives, to, I want you to, to tell all the other midwives in your, your, your group, in your union, I guess they had, uh, to... Uh, killed the Egyptian boys uh, uh, Hebrew, being born. The the, I'm sorry, the Hebrew boys being born and let the girls live. Well, the, to their credit, the these midwives wouldn't do it, yeah. which they are heroes to the pro-life movement. Uh, we held up as, as, uh, uh, as heroes and as we should emulate them in terms of uh, the I'm killing sure, of unborn yeah, children. I'm sure at, their own, at the risk of their own life, too. I mean, Oh, yeah, and, and, and they were questioned about it. He said, why aren't you doing what I told you? And they said, well, we, we just can't get fast. there on time. <laughs> you know, we, you know we, uh, transportation doesn't get, get us there on time, and, and the Hebrew women have their children so quickly. Well, well then he has another plan where... He tells the uh, Egyptian. No, he he just the, tells the to throw their ba- the male babies in the Nile them. River. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is an interesting idea because with the Nile, with the crocodiles and so on. And remember the first plague, yeah. the Nile turns to blood. Right. Oh, isn't that, that's it's an sad. interesting sort of put those two things together. But anyway, uh, so th- th- they start doing that, and Moses is born. And his mother uh, can't do that. They can't throw him. So they put him in a basket when he's three or four months old. They put him in a basket pit with tar pitch, and so it wouldn't, wouldn't the water wouldn't go through. And then he's put out afloat in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter comes down to bathe in the Nile, 
and she sees the baby and he cries and, and she, she feels so sorry. sorry. I think verbatim is the baby. Uh, he was crying and she felt sorry for him. Exactly. It's so sweet. I just, it's so human. I mean, isn't, wouldn't that be any of us? Oh, yeah. And then his older sister, uh, a girl named Miriam, and we meet Miriam later as they come out of Egypt. But Miriam then runs up and to the Pharaoh princess and says, would you like me to find a Hebrew um, m- woman that could nurse the child for you and, and take care of the child for you, uh, babysit for you, I guess is the idea. And she says, sure, that'd be great. So she, go gets, she goes and gets his mom. <laughs> yeah. so, so Moses is raised uh, knowing mother. by his mother. And, and, so, and, of course, I believe, probably with, all, with no doubt, heard about, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of Abraham, the the covenant. (laughs) Yeah. And he, so he, for 40 years though, he grows up in the palace of Egypt. He has all the, all the benefits, uh, the education, you know, the food, the health, or whatever it is. But he still chooses ultimately after that time to identify with his people. Uh, And he, he, that is where he, rescues one of the Egyptian men that was being beaten by two of his Egyptian handlers, and he actually kills one of the Egyptian men, buries him in the sand, and then his own Hebrew people say, kind of make mock him and make let him know that we know about that, and you know, you're going to kill us too like you killed him. And so he felt like it's time. I better get out of here. Uh, so he flees. Runs from Egypt and at age forty, and he goes and begins his forty years in um, Midian. Midian in the desert there, and he he is a shepherd, mm-hmm. uh, like so many. It seems like, uh, and he's a shepherd. He worships God. He he, he has many hours, like King David later on, uh, many hours out with the sheep, caring for them. Uh, he marries the poor, has children, but he spends a lot of time in solitude. And evidently, there is he he is sincere and genuine about his desire to follow after God, the true and living God. And God, uh, at age eighty, somewhere around the age eighty, God speaks to him from this famous burning bush, a bush that is, uh, it, it's the presence of God. It's uh, what do they call that? An epiphany, when God appears in a physical uh, manifestation. And we see, we're going to see a number of those because we're going to see in the book of Exodus also, we're going to see the tabernacle and there's going to be a regular appearance of God in the cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God appears and manifests his presence in the midst of the people of Israel. But anyway, he uh, he gets the message. He knows who God is. He, he gets the message that he is to go now. It is time to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. He complains. And says, I can't do it. I'm not a good speaker. And God overcomes that and says, I got your brother Aaron, uh, and he's going to help you. Aaron will be your spokesperson. But you're going to go back and do this. And they start the trip back. I'm finally getting to it. I, I hadn't <laughs> forgotten. Uh, they start the, the trip back with Zipporah and their children, and they stop at a place for overnight. And it, and it just says, let me, I'll just read it. It's um, quite interesting. The the verbiage is just very simple. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Um, come on, Sophie. Where is it? Chapter 
It's chapter 40. I believe it's about verse 21 or 24. Oh, 24, yeah. I remember it now. (laughs) It just didn't appear on the page where I thought, here we go. And I think, again, just real quick, especially since we have the advantage of knowing what does come, um, you know, ultimately in terms of sacrifice. But I do think that that imagery is just really interesting of Mary and Joseph and Jesus Mm -hmm. going to Egypt and here you've got Moses and Zipporah and their two sons going into Egypt. And both, you wouldn't think of, you think of Mary and Joseph and Jesus as fleeing from going into Egypt as safety, which is kind of true. F- fleeing from Herod the Great, right. who had taken, mm-hmm. uh, who was he was afraid of this new king that was born. The Magi mm-hmm. had told to, him about it. Mm-hmm. Killing and all so, the so he killed all the uh-huh. infants of two years old age and under. And right. so Mary and so Joseph it's just an interesting thing, though, that fled. he fled to Egypt for safety. And so you would, you know, it's kind of a different. And yet, ultimately, they're both headed towards the same course of delivering a people from mm-hmm. death, really, yeah. slavery and death. And so anyway, but uh, go ahead. Oh, sure. It, it says, on the way to Egypt... At a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night. Listen to this, folks. The Lord confronted Moses and was about to kill him. But Moses' wife, Zipporah, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. We're not told which son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. When she said a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Now, that's it. Well, in preceding that, though, um, God had told Moses what to tell Pharaoh about the firstborn son. Mm -hmm. So just before that, God had told Moses. You're going to, yeah, go back to, let me see, when you arrive back in Egypt, go to the Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let the people go. And we're going to talk about that, what it means that God hardens his heart. A lot of people are very confused about that, but it's not its not as terrible as you think. If, if we just, you're going, to have, you're going to have to put on your thinking cap a little bit there, but it, it's, it's understandable. Then you will, uh, it says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will. Tell him, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. I commanded you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn son. And so here in that, on the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, then you have that story. And so uh, maybe you have a thought for us, folks. You can give us a call. This is a call-in program. We have a phone number that you could call and give us a thought about this. If you have uh, a question or a comment about it, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. And maybe you see some of the uh, parallels that Stacy has mentioned. And, of course, the New Testament talks about them as well. You know, and also I, what is an interest, so a lot of themes here of fatherhood, of sons, of firstborns, of um, sacrifice, of, of, um, and of, of what's the atonement. Um, and I think what's interesting, too, is that, 
you know, at this time, it's not as if they necessarily knew what circumcision was really or what exactly, you know, they're not doctors. They're not, you know, anatomically, they don't know exactly maybe what happens. And so it does, when you think about it, though, it's a huge act of faith to circumcise when, when in, in terms of you don't know if that makes them then... Um, Impotent. I mean, can uh-huh. they still can uh-huh. they still have children? Yeah. And I guess maybe they've learned, you know, from past that I guess you still could. Or yeah. But it it does. It's all, it's, that's a pretty. I mean, it's, it's quite an act of faith when your whole relationship with with a God with God is about lineage and about multiplication and about firstborns and procreating. Yeah, this and, was to be a, a yeah a sign. This was a a sign of. Not only of that covenant relationship that yeah. we as a people are going to follow after the true and living and we, God, and the, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our mm-hmm. ancestors, we're going to remain faithful. And this mark uh, mm-hmm. on the males of our of our population of our country, mm-hmm. uh, every male. Th- this was, I mean, this is this is huge, and yet on the other hand, it is surrounded in a certain amount of mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, your older brother and I were talking about it this week, Stace, and we about the idea of where it came from and it, was it original here with God in Abraham or was it something that came out of the Canaanite cultures? Or So it, it's a little bit of a mysterious thing, but it was, a, and I assume that because Moses was ready to go and he was going to go and stand up for the people of Israel, for their God, to go worship their God, he was going to step into such a powerful in position of influence and that an authority that it would have been right it wouldn't have been right for him to go and he hadn't even done that yeah. with his own family. Zipporah seemed to understand that. Way to go, Zipporah. <laughs> yes, indeedy. So uh, my music is not coming on and so John is going to come over here <laughs> and see if he can there it goes. There we go. All right. So that's our first segment. Thank you, John. I scared you there, didn't I? All right. We are all in the Christian mood these days, getting ready for the celebration of the coming of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah of Israel. And we are setting up that preparation for his coming by all of these passages from the Hebrew Scriptures that from the very early on, Genesis chapter 3, God promised he was going to send a Savior, a Redeemer, a Messiah, we have a, a hero. Passover coming up. Who would take us out of bondage. So we'll, uh, we'll celebrate that coming up really soon. But we're going to celebrate going into chapter 5 and 6 of the book of Exodus when we come back from our break. Don't you dare go away. We'll be right back. 210-340-9585. Give us a call. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. If anybody asks you who I am, who I am, who I am. Anybody ask you who I am, tell them I'm a child of God. Peace on the earth, Mary, rock of the cradle, rock of the cradle, rock of the cradle. Peace on the earth, Mary, rock of the cradle, Christ child born in glory. If anybody ask you who I am, you're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. If anybody ask you who I am, tell them I'm a child of God. All right. I wonder if anybody ever asked Bobby Darian who he was. <laughs> Tell him Bobby Darian. I my Stacy doesn't. You don't recognize the name Bobby Darian. They was, was he was big back in our era, fifties, yeah, fifties, sixties, I guess. Bobby Darian. Okay. Bobby Darian. Uh, Kevin Spacey played him in a movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and um, if I remember correctly. Uh, What's that movie with uh, Travolta and they do the dancing or something? Saturday Night Fever? No, not Pulp Saturday Night Fever. What? Pulp Fiction? No, no, none of those. <laughs> it's the one where he sings Michael. with, uh, what's her name, the Australian girl? Grease. Grease, yeah. Grease. <laughs> it sounds like a, a movie program. But in Greece, I think they have a, the, there's a song where somebody is, uh, he, she's a hairdresser. Are you talking about uh, Frankie Avalon? Is that Avalon? Oh, I was thinking it was probably was this guy. But same genre, right. I guess, yeah. Interesting. Bobby Darren. Well, anyway, we're back. This is the Bible Live, and we're into the book of Exodus. And we are taking your phone calls as well. Don't forget to give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585. There's a lot of room here for questions and comments and uh, op- applications that you saw as you read through these scriptures, as you listen to the book of Exodus, um, there, there are these, a lot of these little stories, these little, that's the ones that, uh, a lot of times they're the ones that cause a lot of confusion. Well, what was Zipporah all about? What was that all about? God was going to kill Moses? <laughs> and, and I mean, really, it's, it's a very serious thing. But uh, uh, there, there we have it. That's the story. They, they're headed to Egypt. And then when they get there, Moses and Aaron, uh, Moses tells his brother Aaron that uh, what they're going to do, and Aaron's going to be his spokesperson and so on. I'm, I'm going quickly through chapter 4. Um, and then chapter 5, Moses and Aaron go to the Pharaoh, and they, sell, they say, well, let us go, uh, let the people go. Uh, and Pharaoh, instead of letting them go, he says, why are you distracting people from their work? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land, and you are stopping them from their work. And so he makes the, he doubles their workload. Make bricks without straw, which I'm not uh, particularly good at making bricks, but I would assume that that makes things <laughs> very, very difficult. <laughs> yep. Uh, hold them together, make them stronger and whatever. So the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard, meet your daily quotas or bricks, uh, just as you did when we provided you with the straw and so on. So uh um, 
So now they had to go get their own straw, I guess. That's the idea. So they... Well, real quickly. Uh-huh, to, go, go. Well, just being, thinking about movies, I mean, this probably is... I mean, I keep on... Actually, I keep. I feel like I keep on saying this is probably one of the most famous stories in oh, the Bible. Yeah. But it really is. I mean, especially film-wise. I mean, this is Charleston Heston. This is the Ten Commandments. This is the Prince of Egypt. Mariah and Whitney saying it about this. Exactly. Um, which also, uh, just for note, was is really neat in Exodus is... Uh, the first recorded song, Moses' song. Exactly. And then Miriam's song. And so there is, I mean, full of... Song of, of Miriam, song of Moses. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly, the, exactly. The musical and the musics, the tambourines, the singing, the celebration. And then just this incredible, I mean, it's an incredible story that is universally gripping because it is about a people group, slaves, being freed and that certainly resonates um, so much. And even much more than that, it wasn't just exactly. any group. It was this group that 400 years before right. that, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had been dealing with, and he knew they were going to be 400 years. He told them they would be, and here it is, 400 years later, and they're right. coming out, and he's, bringing, he's raised up Moses to, to lead them out. A really, I mean, this would have been a significant, powerful event not only still today, you know, but at the time too. I mean, Egypt is this yeah. great nation, powerful nation, and they have this slave group that has built really remarkable um, buildings and mm-hmm. cities, and entire cities, cities and, yeah. And here, the city of Ramses, for example, was a city built, built is thought slaves, by the, by the Hebrew, slaves. Hebrew slaves. It's amazing, and, and here, and and then here, millions are are freed and come out from that. Is mm-hmm. that right? It was mm-hmm. up to about... A couple of million, two couple. million. And, um, and what's so beautiful, though, is that as incredible and powerful as that is, the image, though, was so much more even. God, God's story was, sure, yes, freeing a people from physical bondage, but so much more it's setting the stage for humanity, mankind, to be freed from the bondage of death itself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, it's, it's a beautiful oh, story. It is. it is probably pretty well known. You probably and, and it do. is clearly a picture yeah. of that redemptive process, yes. redemptive plan of God. And we have the beauty of hindsight and being yeah. able to read it through that lens. I, I just imagine you know, what, most, what they must have been experiencing and feeling um, if they, uh, you know, did they, know, it reminds me of that, Mary, did you know, Israel, did you know, <laughs> Israel, did you know? <laughs> That's right. Did they know what was going on? Well, I think probably as in most cases, uh, some did and some didn't. Really? Uh, it, yeah. it, it looks clear and we'll see this. You yeah. would think they would just be, wow, they would be so solidified in their, in their, uh, their faithfulness to God and their, and their decision. We're going to follow after God. We're going right. to be faithful. But yet, yeah, the first thing happens when they get they start complaining and groaning and griping. We liked Egypt better. Yeah, we, no. let's go back to Egypt. Uh, and so some got it, some didn't. Some, and it's a, ultimately, though, it's, it's about those who are God's people mm-hmm. and those who, among them who are not. Mm-hmm. It's just like Jesus and, and the apostles said in the New Testament, not everyone who is circumcised is Egypt, is Israel. Mm-hmm. Not everyone who was born of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in their descendancy, uh, ancestry w- were Israel. It, it's not a matter of 
uh, of right. biology. It's right. not a matter of genetics. Uh, that you have the DNA. It's right. a matter of faith. Yeah, but clearly. <clears throat> I mean, even with those women we were talking about, Miriam and Fair's daughter and Zipporah and how they figure into the story so prominently, and yet two out of those three were not even Hebrew. I mean, without Pharaoh's daughter and the compassion that she had on Moses, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm sure God would have used And Zipporah's li- influence there to save his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's not even Hebrew. That's <laughs> right. Exactly right. Very good things to keep in mind as you read the book of Exodus. Um, and, and I know I now remember what I was going to say earlier, and, and Stacy told me that I you were going to say something, but you didn't get to it. I I was going to take a moment and talk about what we know of Moses, okay. uh, forty years in the palace of, of Egypt, forty years in the wilderness of Midian, um, uh, being a shepherd and marrying Zipporah, raising two kid, two boys, and so on. We know very little of those 40 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just the part uh, Moses wrote down, the kind of evidently the key moments, key, key experiences he had th- that shaped and gave importance to that moment. And, and, and Moses wrote those down. But 40 years, that's a lot of life. That's a lot of meals. That's mm-hmm. a lot of birthdays. That's a lot of uh, all kinds of things, uh, classes, school, uh, whatever, the things that he did. Um, in his life, so we're not getting a, a biography here. We're, we're getting some key points that that Moses wrote down, was led by God's Spirit, we believe, to write down, and they have. Uh, we can learn things from them, but it's important that we keep the larger narrative in mind. Mm-hmm. Not only the narrative of bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt, but that has a bigger picture as well. Yeah. In that, remember that God has made a covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that he, an earthly covenant with these people that he is going to use them if they will be faithful and follow him and obey him and trust him, that he will use them uh, in in a mighty way. In other words, they are to stand for God, the true and living God, the creator God, one God, in a world of peace polytheism in a world of of idolatry and wickedness and perversions of all kinds and uh you know the the egyptians had i've forgotten how many gods all of their gods were put to shame by the plagues uh the the different uh judgments that fell on them the plague of blood uh well that was a judgment on the egyptian gods of kanum seti Hopi, Osiris, Neith, Sobek, Apepi, and then the plague of frogs was a a, a plague or a judgment on the god of Heke. Th- th- these are gods that had that took a form of a, a frog, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. and and the plague of lice on the on the god, the gods Seth and Geb. And, in other words, there was a Hebrew god, many many gods that were identified with. These different areas of life, health, climate, weather, Egyptian God that was identified with each of them. And when God brought about these ten plagues, uh, he was at the same time showing his judgment on those deities and his his superiority, his control over them. And, of course, the final the final plague, death. Uh, was the judgment on the deities. Even the Pharaoh himself was said to have power over death. Um, 
and, and the Pharaoh was often worshipped and had himself worshipped as, uh, as having descended from the deities. Uh, Isis, Hec, Min, uh, Horbs, uh, the, you know, you can read about these and mm-hmm. learn about these different gods of Egypt that were judged through these plagues. Well, we see, we see then that, that they go back, they ask for the people to be released, and uh, they, in, instead of releasing them, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Let's talk about that a moment. Okay. Because a lot of people, yeah. they go, That's well, probably that's, one of the hardest <clears throat> things for me. I know a lot of people, well, I hear that a lot of people, there are kind of two uh, tough things to understand about pharaoh and well yes that well bigger um the problem of pain you've heard that like, oh, yeah, how can uh-huh. a loving god allow okay. hardships and pain and then um that one's not so hard for me uh-huh. the one that's hard for me is man's free will and god's sovereignty yeah that's what it, it, we're talking about did pharaoh have free mm-hmm. will or was he predestined and god just created right, him right. for the very purpose of and of hardening his heart and making him yeah. you know and the biblical answer is that it's both <laughs> and, and exactly. always, both are I true. always want one or the other. It's hard for me to live in that yeah. place of both. Is God yes. sovereign or does man have free will? Both. Yes, both are true. <laughs> God is ultimately absolutely sovereign. Sovereignty, by the way, if you're listening and you want to kind of get this straight in your mind theologically, uh, theologically the concept is the omnipotence of God, all-powerful, almighty God, uh, and he is all-powerful. Sovereignty is the expression, the way that God expresses that omnipotence in the context of uh, the human experience, in the context of our free will. So what we're trying to say here is that uh, man does truly have free will, but it's limited. It's not absolute. We choose from the alternatives that God ultimately has given us, uh, which really comes down ultimately to one of two. Uh, and God, and Paul points this out in the book of Romans. We are either Godward or we're selfward, each individual. We are either Godward, we want God, we seek God and, and desire God and his rule and his leadership, our relationship with God, or at some level in some version of self. And that can be a very religious version, by the way. You can be, you can be uh, very self-motivated, but be very religious. Uh, so it, it isn't a matter of being religious. It's a matter uh, of the, it's a heart matter of do are we truly desiring God? Remember the, the writer of Hebrews says that they that come to God must must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. That He is knowable. That He invites us into a relationship with Him. Um, so we we see that. Uh, Going on, I've just lost my thread. What are we talking about? We're talking about omnipotence and sovereignty. Sovereignty, sovereignty uh-huh. is the way God's will works in the context of human uh, freedom, using even at times people who don't believe in him and reject him, mm-hmm. using them even as part of his redemptive plan. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> and let's see what we see and happening. I think too, there's Judah, like, Judah, it, Judas is oh, another. Yeah. People think, oh, Judas, was he just born for that very reason? And he's, mm-hmm. uh, we don't know if Judas is in heaven or not. We don't know mm-hmm. if he was ultimately believed. We know he did a very bad, made a very bad decision. We know he uh, committed suicide, evidently. Another bad, terrible decision. But 
What we don't know is how, his, how he actually yeah. truly in reality yeah. And I think a part of that too, <laughs> for me, what is that aspect of time and space. Uh, yes. You know, and, and just because you can change. Mm -hmm. You can at one time be mm -hmm. a non-believer, an atheist, mm -hmm. and then like C.S. Lewis was, mm -hmm. and then at, at a given moment there can, mm -hmm. you can be transformed and changed. Right. And, and even, on, even at death's bed as the, right. the, the thief on the cross, sure. uh, cross from Jesus. So but it's then God, and God's omnipotence, <coughs> how that and how he interacts yes. because... He is outside of time and space and us being in time. So it's... Let me give one other verse helpful. that might be helpful on that topic, okay. though, is okay. that it's in, uh, um, I think it's Isaiah chapter 55. Let me just make sure I get that right. Isaiah chapter 55, it talks about God's word. And the whole point here is that <coughs> God is sovereign. Man has free will, but we... we respond to what God has shown us of himself. That is our free will. And God has foreordained the two, the two options, basically. He has given humanity, he has given human beings the ability to um, reject him. Mm -hmm. And with that rejection comes the consequences. They actually get a person who rejects God and has no desire to to obey God, know God, honor God, he's going yeah. to get exactly what they want. Yes. Uh, that the idea is they will be. I've always yeah. Separated. That's a very Lewis thing. No, no one is going to be where they do not want to be. Someone who is in hell uh, will not be there if they really wanted heaven, and no one in heaven is going to be there if they really wanted hell, which is a stark way to put it. But I. It, yeah, All will exactly. get exactly what they want. That's the environment we live in. We are called, we've, we've said God created the human race, and we've seen this in the book of Genesis, and we've, we're tracing now that reality. God created the human race in order to draw out of the human race a people for himself, those who desire him and choose him. Mm -hmm. What he desires is a love relationship. Mm -hmm. So free will had to be involved. We're not like the animals. We're just responding by instinct, mm -hmm. but we we either choose to desire God and follow God and love God mm -hmm. and seek him, or we choose not to. But the only way and we could possibly get, choose is because he first it, chose yes, us. He, <laughs> and he gave us the options. Right, right. He gave us that he ability to choose him. Now, this is what it says in Isaiah 55, and it's very good because it shows the relationship between God's word mm -hmm. and man's free will. Okay. The rain and snow come down from the heavens, 55, verse 11, 10 and 11. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. Mm -hmm. They cause the, green, the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. In other words, whatever seed is in the ground, the rain comes down and causes it to come out. Oh, yeah. It causes it to grow. Right. He says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces the fruit. It, it will always accomplish what I want it to and I will prosper Everywhere I send it. So the idea is that the purpose of God's word is to call out a response from human beings. So, yes, God did God harden Pharaoh's heart. Yes, because he revealed himself and his will and right. his desire and his plan to Pharaoh. Right. And, and Pharaoh then had to react to it. Mm -hmm. Either I let this people go in response to this God mm -hmm. or I don't. And the so seeds he of had his to heart respond. were hard. 
<laughs> so God, in, in bringing that, that option before him, yeah. in some ways, oh, God hardened his good. heart. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like um, that. It's the same that. way. On the other hand, did he harden his own? Yeah, he hardened his own heart. He, he was the one who responded to it mm-hmm. in that way. So uh, both are true. Uh, God's sovereignty is absolute. Man's free will is conditional mm-hmm. upon the options that God puts before us. And you can take that truth and apply it to Judas. You can apply it to many, many others throughout the scriptures. Uh, another great example is uh, the emperor of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. You know, people wonder what, what did Nebuchadnezzar? His heart was hardened. He mm-hmm. and there was a time when he actually seemed to kind of almost believe, mm-hmm. under the influence of Daniel and the lion's den right. and so on. Uh, uh, there was Darius, another one. But but you see how the the, the two work together. God's sovereignty is absolute, uh, but his uh, but the response, the free will of man is real within the options in which God the the limited options that God gives us. In other words, we can't reject God, thumb our nose at God, and then expect to spend eternity in bliss with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and, and you wouldn't want that. Uh, evidently, you wouldn't want right. that. that that's, that's it's hard to imagine that a person, but yes. uh, that, yeah. that is the case. Yeah. That is true. Well, let's see here. Uh, so we see ancestors of Moses and Aaron. It goes into a little bit of their background. They're both of the tribe of the Levi. The Levites. How much, now, how much would they have at that point had distinguished tribes still? Oh, among, very much. Okay. That was their form of governance. That was their form of, if they were organized at all mm-hmm. as people, in as slaves, tribe. it was through their tribe, tribal mm-hmm. affiliation. Mm-hmm. And so um, Le- Levitical families and Aaron's staff, they'll go to, to uh, the Pharaoh and they make their announcement again, their demand. Uh, insisting that they be released, and and Aaron uh, Moses throws down his rod and staff, and it becomes a a, a serpent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and funny enough, the sorcerers of the Pharaoh are able to repeat or duplicate <laughs> that miracle, as you or that trick or whatever that you think it, however you think of it, uh, and. Uh, but still, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. I'm not going to let him go. And so he begins to announce then these ten plagues. And the first one is that uh, the Nile River is turned to blood, which which I, I, I cannot help but think of all the children that were mm-hmm. killed by th- into the Nile, and the crocodiles and the, the, the what this might have I'm sure the meaning was not lost on them. To us, we just read it and go, oh, the Nile, oh. the blood was turned, Nile was turned to blood. I mean, what does that mean? How did that work? Uh, I, I have a feeling that they understood this very, very clearly, and it, and it made the, the point. Uh, the fish die, the river smells, the people are without water. Uh, <clears throat> Pharaoh's magici- magicians are able to duplicate this uh, by their magic, and Pharaoh is unmoved. Interestingly enough, though, the first two plagues are the only ones they duplicate. And either after that, they were unable to duplicate it, or maybe they figured out, hey, when we duplicate this plague, we're not alleviating our suffering. We're just adding to our (laughs) suffering. So maybe we don't want to uh, 
create more gnats or more flies or you know kill more livestock. Maybe we don't want to duplicate these miracles, these plagues. But the first two plagues are the only ones that they duplicate. And uh, so they begin through the process now. Uh, Moses and Aaron keep going back, telling him, you must let our people go. Uh, we must be released. Now, there's an interesting thing going on here as well that we want to put our eyes on just before our break. And that is, we have to remember the relationship that that uh, the people of Israel now have with the people of Egypt, not just with Pharaoh uh-huh. and the powerful right. you know politicians, right. <clears throat> with the people. Because we're going to see a great another great miracle takes place as they leave. They have favor with the people, yeah. and the people give them offerings, uh, uh, gold and silver and clothing and cloth. and These are the things that ultimately will, will be used to worship God, to build the tabernacle, for example, uh, and we'll watch that. But, then, but Pharaoh, for his part, and uh, at the governmental official level, they're not going to have anything to do with this, and they go through... Uh, all 10 of these plagues. We'll review the 10 plagues when we come back from this final break, and then we'll go on further till we get the people of Israel out of Egypt over to Mount Sinai, where they will receive from God, the God who has liberated them, they will receive these 10 commandments for the covenant community. So we'll get to that when we come back. Don't go away, or, or better yet, give us a call, 210 340 9585. Franklin is on the line. We'll get with Franklin when we come back from the break. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. sin in the blood of the lamb Jesus Christ is coming again he's making a list in his book of life he's gonna see who has eternal life Jesus Christ is coming again he sees when you are sinning he knows when you're uptight he knows when you're in darkness so let's walk in Jesus light oh you better get right just as fast as you can Wash your sin in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is coming again. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And he knows when you're uptight. He knows who walks in darkness. So let's walk in Jesus' light. Oh, you better get right just as fast as you can. Wash your sin in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is coming all right, so Jesus <laughs> Christ is coming again. Yeah, we, we'll get it there. No, uh, so good. You know, I, I, anybody out there, I think we were going to put those on the website home page and did not this week. But those well, are that's so right. Good, I'm, yeah. I do need to apologize about that. No, there are five or six of these, um, what do you call it, baptized or converted <laughs> <laughs> secular Christmas songs, but we've put Christ-centered, you know, God-honoring uh, lyrics to them that and we try to get them out every year at this time so that you can use them for your christmas parties and get togethers if you'd like and so i will definitely try to get that done i I will 
get them up there. They are good, and then people enjoy them a lot. They're kind of creative. Did you rewrite that to you? You rewrote those? Oh, a couple of them. I, I found them, but then I've, I've kind of worked them over, you know, a little bit, perfected them. Oh, yes. <laughs> in, in my own little way. But anyway, you could, do you, you know, refine them as well. No one's got um, <laughs> control over them, I don't think. So you can um, use them with freedom. Uh, at thebiblelive.com. We'll go to it this week. I will, I will definitely try to get it done and have them up there for you to find we'll and try. to download <laughs> or use. <laughs> a definite effort will be made. <laughs> All right, let's get back to it, Stacy. Let's move now. We're, we have to move a little quickly now from the the ten plagues. Uh, they started the, the plague of blood, the plague of frogs, the plague of lice. Boy, these are these are <laughs> they would be terrible. Uh, the plague of flies, the plague of cattle diseases and, and death of livestock, plague of boils, the plague of hail, the plague of locusts, and the plague of darkness. Wow. And then finally, after those nine come the ultimate plague, the death of the firstborn that you referenced before. That, uh, that and, and finally illustrates the God's great, Victory and his control, his oh, omnipotence, good, good. Okay. even over the final enemy of all mankind, the, the enemy of death itself. Uh, the, the Pharaoh didn't hold the power of death and life. God himself did. And so he makes that clear. So we'll go and take our phone call real quickly here and get back to our. Let me Hi, see if Franklin. I can find hey, Franklin <laughs> is on the line. Let's bring him. Hello, Franklin. Hope you can hear me. Hello, all. you marvelous. People, how are you doing tonight? Well, how are you doing? God's Stacey? blessings on you. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. He's talking to me. <laughs> I know yeah. you've got something oh, to offer I, us tonight on this great story from the Bible. What, what are you well, thinking? I, I do. Uh, one little, well, a couple of things, actually. One little thing I wanted to point out is every plague that God sent on Egypt was directed at a God of Egypt right. to show that that God was superior to any gods that Egypt had. The first one, you know, one of the big gods in Egypt was the crocodile god. So he turns the Nile to blood. Yes. And then you had the scarabs, so the insect plagues and all like that. Exactly right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, read, other, out, I read out, the. I have a listing here of the actual gods of Egypt of that era that were connected with each one of the different plagues. Uh, in uh, it, it's it's quite amazing. God was making a very clear, powerful point. These were not just random sort of things that happened. He was uh, there was a, a method to this, and I'm sure the Pharaoh was picking up on it, especially at the ultimate, the death of his firstborn son. So that was yeah. If not that, the priests and the people. Yeah, right. exactly. they surely got the message there. Exactly. But right. uh, another thing, I wish uh, that that your 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 friend uh, uh, Jacob could call in mm. and clarify the hardening of the hearts. Mm. I'm sure there's that that word that's used in in Aramaic or Hebrew uh, has a really relevant meaning. Uh, it's used throughout the Bible. Uh, he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Uh, he he hardened uh, the hearts of the uh, Pharisees. Nebuchadnezzar he hardened, and the uh, Babylonians, the Babylonians uh, as well. Yeah, the Babylonians. Uh, yeah, it is used quite often. The different uh, leaders people and too. people. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah, well, what really scares me is that I'm afraid that in America we're having the same thing happening, the hardening of the hearts of the people. Might well be. It's really Franklin. kind of frightening. Yes, I, I've I've known and met people in many years of ministry. Of now, I've I've met people whose hearts were very very hard uh, to the things of God, and sometimes, uh, and frankly, at times they can get past it. They can actually change and transform and 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 become believers and be converted. No. All things are possible through yeah, the Lord. That's exactly right. That's what we see for sure. Well, thanks, Franklin, for calling. We're, we're going to have to hustle along here to get on. We're yeah, going to get to catch chapter twenty very- tonight. What, what was that? You hope what? <laughs> what do you hope? Oh, I hope you have a very, very merry Christmas. Oh. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you too. You as well. Okay. Good night. <laughs> the wonderful, wonderful friend of the broadcast. Uh, good to hear from him. Yeah, we went through that about the gods of Egypt, and we also went through that about, uh, you know, this whole idea of hardening of the heart that yeah. that um, that is not a threat. It, it, it's, it's not difficult to understand that both things are true. I often use an illustration that um, a father has a son, and his son says, Dad, I've applied for college. I, I can either go to Harvard or I can go to um, Stanford, and and the dad says, "Well, your mom and I will pay for either one of those. We'll 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 work hard and get you. You can choose, but you whichever one of those you choose, we can go to." Well, the child chose, chooses to go to Harvard. Well, in that scenario, does the mom and dad have uh, the? Are, are they right in saying we sent our son to Harvard? Yeah. They they gave him the options and they actually paid the bill and they can the son truly say I chose to go to Harvard yes without a doubt both are true the son chose from the options that the parents in their sovereignty quote unquote gave him so it's a kind of a simple illustration but uh, we have our own redemption through Jesus the shed blood of the Messiah the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world so we. We see that. Uh, oh, there are a lot of details we could point to. Uh, Jacob, whom uh, Franklin just mentioned, uh, always likes to point out that one of the first things that God gave them as a free people was a calendar because slaves don't need a calendar. They don't control their own time and their own lives, and, and now they have a, a calendar. Well, um, we see that. We see that they were to eat that Passover meal. Uh, they were to eat it. You know, not then lay back and, and take a nap. They were to eat it with their shoes on or with their walking sticks in their hand because the salvation, taking them out of Egypt, was for a purpose. Not It was not an end in itself. And that's for us as believers as well. It, it's not simply to be forgiven of our sin, to become a child of God, but God has a purpose for our lives. We can serve Him. We can walk with Him. We can enjoy Him. And we can help others come to know Him. So we come to our faith in Christ also with our boots on and ready to serve. Reminds me of a pilgrim, a pilgrimage in a way. Exactly <laughs> right. They, they were setting out on a pilgrimage. Uh-huh. Their calling from God as the, as the people of Israel was to follow faithfully after Him. Now, but they're going to have to learn because it's been 400 years. Many generations have passed, and so the, now they have to become reacquainted with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. 
established they, as a as a new nation group. Um, exactly. They have up until this time uh, just been under Egyptian rule in terms of the law. Yeah, and, and under their influence, mm -hmm. of course, all these other gods mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, and many of the people, you'll see later on, mm -hmm. many of the people fall were back. actually influenced and fall back mm -hmm. on those Egyptian gods. Mm -hmm. uh, but now God is going to begin kind of nation building. He's going to be building them up, starting with that spiritual the, the, the true and living God. What is life all about? What is Who is God the creator? Uh, and what is he like? Mm -hmm. He's a forgiving God. He's he's a, a God who reveals himself. He's a knowable God. Uh, uh, so many things about God that we can learn from the book of Exodus, just basic qualities that God reveals to us. He is a God who promises and keeps his promises they are. They will need to learn that. And God's word is sure and true. Uh, he's a God who reveals Himself and who draws people into a relationship. You can actually know God and enjoy God and walk with God. And He's a God who commands and guides and leads, and so that we can we can respond to His leadership. He's not a He's not a faraway God just that nobody knows about. But the priests, you know that. Yeah. And they tell you what to do to manipulate you and take advantage of you using their knowledge of God. To uh, that, That's the path of religion, mm -hmm. uh, godless religion. But the God uh, that we're going to meet here in the book of Exodus is a God who promises, mm -hmm. uh, a God who reveals himself, a God who commands and guides um, and is knowable and invites For them into a relationship. People, I love that image of the... The uh, the pillar of uh, fire, you know, by mm -hmm. night, day. by by day. night, by night, by night. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then the cloud of, of smoke by day for all the people to see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a picture, uh, actually, uh, as well as a picture of the person and work of God's Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in our lives now that we have come out of Egypt, each of us. In our personal relationship with Christ, he has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son and the light of, of the, the Messiah himself. And so we uh, now are traveling. This is our pilgrimage here on planet Earth. This is our wilderness wanderings. And he is with us by his, his presence in the Holy Spirit. And he guides us and keeps us and fights for us, instructs us. Uh, along the way. <clears throat> so a lot of imagery of, of our uh, relationship with God today is found in the Exodus, uh, the story of the Exodus. So they they leave, they take two months from uh, Egypt, and by the way, they do get a lot of riches, uh, gold, silver, um, other precious uh, jewels and so on, cloth, clothing, things like that, they are given to the people, which could well have been an expression on the part of the many of the people, uh, could have been an expression of faith on their part uh, to experience forgiveness of God on their misuse and of the people of Israel. They, we don't know. We're not told that. But um, <clears throat> um, a, a Jewish friend of mine told me that, that oh. that's the way that somehow it's interpreted that they actually, that was many of them, that was an expression of their repentance and embracing of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is, is very interesting because this was, this was God revealing. His, it wasn't just all about Israel, Moses and the people of Israel. It was about God calling the people of Egypt to himself mm -hmm. and revealing himself to them mm -hmm. and, and calling them to follow after him. And so 
there was a response here. And, and I want to mention one other thing that you said while ago, Stace. Um, this was being watched by people all over the world at that time. The, Egypt was the, the powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember they had, uh, they had the food when other people didn't in the famine uh, back in 400 years earlier, but they were still a great power. Yeah. And so other, pe- other nations, 40 years later now, Forty years later, after uh, Moses has already died, and forty years later, when Joshua leads the people of Israel into the Promised Land mm-hmm. with the Battle of Jericho, remember that woman that helped him out. Her name was Rahab. Yeah. You remember what Rahab says? We heard the stories of how God brought you out of Egypt. Yes, that's right. Forty years earlier, <laughs> so uh, maybe gives that dates her yeah. a little bit. I don't know, or maybe she was a young girl, and that story had been passed to yeah. her. But they remembered this. This was God's uh, a, a a witness that God gave of Himself to the world, even at oh, large. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it is. It's it, it's just, but it's it's oh, it's so true to the the <laughs> nature of God and what the Old Testament is truly, truly all about. We have to get beyond just the the level of the story itself. It has a great deal of of, of appeal and a great deal to teach us, even at that level. But when we look at the bigger picture of what God was accomplishing for the whole human race in this moment, and it kind of it's can, great. Uh, it also gives just a, a little bit of a uh, it's kind of delicate territory. But uh, remind you know what reminds me of in terms of nation and certainly as an example and especially a nation that truly is glorifying and giving glory to God, Mm -hmm. um, what that nation can be to other nations that are enslaved or, and it it reminds me of that beacon on a hill. Yeah. It's a light. I mean, it is a, and it's, you know, no doubt about it. And I think we get a lot of grief as sometimes when a, when a people or when we long to be a nation that is a light to the world or that is a beacon on a hill, I think sometimes People maybe conflate that with nationalism or pride, or and it can be for sure. But when when it is a people that is truly, genuinely wanting to glorify God and live in that freedom and in light and uh, and and share that with the rest of the world, giving glory to God and recognizes um, that the freedom and the blessings that right. we have received have come from Him, from not because him. we're such a great, wonderful right. people and in and of ourselves. Right. But that he has blessed us right. and graced us mm-hmm. with these freedoms. And we really can be an example of what, what God has done in our life and in our country. And in our, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, deli- a delicate thing. but uh, and, in, and it doesn't necessarily. But it needs to be said, Stacey. Sure, I, agree, I agree with sure, you. And it doesn't necessarily need to be worked out politically exclusively. No, no. It, in fact, it, doesn't, it does not have to be a political thing for that to still be the case. A people group that rise and are a beacon, mm-hmm. maybe even despite their but political it does, structure. Yes, exactly. But it does have a practicality. It there does, is, yeah. I mean, it's not just uh, all feel good and religious sort of. It, it, the, we, if we believe God has blessed our country and our blessings and our our freedoms come from Him, we thank Him, mm-hmm. and we commit ourselves 
to knowing God, to following God, and to serving God, and our, as you said. And our laws and our leadership yeah. reflect that. Yeah. Huh. And use the freedom we have to send missionaries, to mm-hmm. send resources to people groups around the world to help them also hear the gospel, mm-hmm. know the gospel, and so on. But but it would, and we'll see this in the very when it comes down to issues of 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 life and of morality and mm-hmm. goodness and yep. rightness, it also means you we need to. We need to stand for the things that God stands for right. and not compromise our faith for, for wickedness and for evil. And that's where we're, that. we've um, got to be careful yeah, well, as Americans I mean, and today. We're, right, and we're getting into, I mean, that's one of the other things, you know, J- yeah. uh, Jacob talked about the calendar. Well, Exodus 20, I mean, that's a, the, he gives them their, fir- their laws, their first set of laws as, a, as their own nation. And uh, and then uh, and then I love that that saying. I think we just talk about this every year, but that you must not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Yes. I don't know why I always think that that's so interesting. I think I've always found but it interesting I because do. I read it yes. for years, not really I, quite knowing. And, and I'd read it now. What in what? the world does that mean? You know. <laughs> but it makes so much sense. Yes. To not use for death what God intended for life. Which which includes the Ten Commandments. The idea is that these commands are for life. They're for blessing, but you, you don't let someone die because their goat fell in a ditch. Remember, Jesus deals with this in the New Testament. You know, which of you, if your ox falls in the ditch, <laughs> you wouldn't get him out. You, you know, there's, and, and, and you could heal on the Sabbath. Right. And they were saying, right. no, you can't do that. You can't raise people from the dead right. and heal them. Well, don't that would be using for death what God, what God intended, intended, for intended for life and yeah. could. Yeah. And so it, it's a very nice little thing for Moses to throw that in every now and then. Is he's given all these rules, and then he's got every now and then said, "No, but look, don't don't get extreme. You know, don't go out, don't go crazy on these. If, use your good common sense. Don't use for death something that God has caused for life and for blessing." So anyway, we got that. I mean, there's chapter 15, chapter 16. We have this manna and quail. I was thinking about that today. How God provides food for two million people for forty years, yeah. three meals a day. That's, that is amazing. True food is so basic it. a human. I was watching people today. I fed people breakfast. Yeah. Out of them. Uh, we fixed breakfast for the basic train. Some of the basic, for the trainees out at Lackland Air Force Base. Right now, during the COVID, we're we're just serving in any way that the chaplains ask us. And I, it made me think about how important food was in our lives. Well, and speaking, of, it reminds me of the second class is on faith, right? And um, and we always define it as what is faith? Well, faith is trusting in, relying on, clinging to, and specifically Christianity, Christ, and His work on the cross for you. Mm-hmm. Talk about trusting in, relying on, clinging to, when it comes to putting trust in God with food. For 40 years and manna, I mean, that is really God's, I mean, if he, if he is growing a nation and teaching them to, oh, to, to depend on him. From the ground up, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> Couldn't be more basic, could it? <laughs> yes. And what does manna mean, Stacey? What, what is it? <laughs> exactly. Manna means what is it? What is it? The literal meaning of the word. So I guess that's what the first thing that people said when they looked at it on the ground. They went, what is that? You know, <laughs> so go get us some of that whatever. What is it? What, so what, that, that, that what should we call it out there? The manna means literally. What is it? Well, then the God gave them the Ten Commandments in chapter twenty, 
And then Moses begins to build and expand on those 10 basic principles and show and kind of give examples of them in practical everyday life. And, and uh, there's one that's given with the promise. Obey, uh, you honor like, your you father like and your one. mother. I like that I like one. it too, actually. I was an orphan. I didn't have a mother and father to honor. So <laughs> you got, you got, I got it really the good easy. Side of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it is very important that without respect for authority, yeah. a society, the stability of a society is mm-hmm. built, and it begins with mm-hmm. in the home, and as children learn to honor mm-hmm. the, the guidance and leadership. And, of course, the parents' responsibility to be godly, worthy. dependable, worthy, uh, leaders for their family. Well, we did it. We made it to at least to chapter 20 there in the Ten Commandments. We're going to continue through the book of um, Exodus. Exodus and then go right on into the book of Leviticus this coming week. So I hope you'll go with us at thebiblelive.com and get back here with us next Sunday night. We'll talk about it all over again with you and yours. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on... The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.